Hello and welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 27 on this Wednesday, November 6th, 2019. I'm your host, William Galloway. I'm glad you have chosen to listen to the Galloway Podcast, be it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Glad you're here. Glad you're tuned in because things are going down in Tuscaloosa, folks. Alabama football hosting Number two, LSU this weekend in Tuscaloosa, Alabama basketball tipped off their season last night, and there is tons to talk about, and we are going to dig into it today on this podcast. Glad you've chosen to join the Galloway Podcast. Let's go ahead and look at the rundown for today's episode. There's, As I said, there's plenty to discuss. We're going to start with Alabama versus LSU this weekend. That's coming up. 2.30 kickoff on CBS. Lauren Sisler will join the podcast shortly, and we'll preview this game with her and then talk about things heating up in the college football world, specifically with the college football playoff rankings that came out last night. We're going to get her reaction to those first rankings. Of course, talk is cheap, and uh, it's only November, and things come out later in December, so we're going to kind of break down the significance of the ratings and the rankings that came out last night and uh, also Alabama LSU with Lauren Sisler here on the podcast. Also, I'm going to break down the Alabama men's basketball game versus Penn, the Crimson Tide. Lost last night 81-80. to I'm going to tell you what I think went wrong and kind of what happened in that game that made it end up the way that it did with the Tide falling just short to the Penn Quakers in Nate Oates' first game as head coach of the Crimson Tide. Before we move any further, we want to give a college football week nine score prediction shout out to the winner uh, from two weeks ago. This is episode 27. Two weeks ago, we had episode 26. Skipped a week for fall break. So if you're a college student and had a fall break, really hope you enjoyed that. And um, if you didn't, I'm sorry. You know, the real world is the real world. But Thanksgiving is around the corner, folks. Don't worry. There is a break coming. Um College football week nine score prediction. The winner is Daniel Ashford from the Alabama Arkansas game. He had Alabama 42 to 10 over the Hogs. The Crimson Tide won 48 to 7. Of course, Alabama is now 8 and 0. And while we look at that Alabama Arkansas game, let's go ahead and just take a look back at what that at that game um, and kind of what happened. Obviously, Tua was out with the ankle injury, and, and we're going to get into his ankle with Lauren talking about the LSU game this weekend. But when you look back two weeks ago, at Alabama-Arkansas, the 48-7 win for the Crimson Tide really was a staple win because you talk about the defense and, and four turnovers and how Alabama just played so well there. Trayvon Diggs had his second um, non-offensive touchdown and you know found the end zone for the second week in a row, which is special. Um, but obviously the headline story going into that Arkansas game two weeks ago was the redshirt sophomore, Mac Jones, who went 18 for 22, 235 yards, and had three touchdowns. He played incredibly. Steve Sarkeesian drew up a wonderful game plan for Mac Jones to perform well, and I think Crimson Tide fans should be very pleased with his performance because Sark helped Mac utilized the weapons around him. The offensive line played really well. The defense played really well. Of course, Ty Pirine was another storyline that kind of emerged in that Tennessee game. Ty Pirine, the punter, um, making an impact on special teams. So Alabama looked really good all throughout the game until the end um, when there was a, a little miscue by Ben Davis there on defense and uh, – that was Arkansas's scoring drive. But Alabama almost with a shout-out over Arkansas is a great game overall. The running game was very balanced. Um, kind of Alabama looked kind of 
like the, a team of the past with uh, carrying the ball more often than not. I mean, there were 38 rushing attempts, um, only 30 passing attempts between Talia and Mac Jones in the game, so running the ball a little bit more. But if you go back to the beginning of the season and you remember what Steve Sarkeesian said about this offense, he said he's very run heavy. And so he was very comfortable in a situation like this and a game like this talking um, about preparing for a team like Arkansas where you know you may not have Tua, but you're comfortable in the run game because he's planned for games like that. So Alabama was well-prepared. Sark had a great game. There were 459 total yards of offense from the Crimson Tide, like I said, 235 yards from Mac Jones in the air, 45 from Talia. Talia was 6-for-8, so a very impressive outing for him as well. Alabama wide receivers, Jerry Judy was the leading receiver, seven receptions. 103 yards and two touchdowns, so he shined and continues to lead that wide receiver core who's been so impressive all season. And that's kind of a look back at Arkansas. Of course, that game is in the past, and Alabama now has bigger fish to fry with the Bayou Bengals coming into town this weekend. So let's go ahead and kick it to Lauren Sissler on the Galloway Podcast, previewing LSU, talking about the college football playoff rankings and college football in general here on the Galloway Podcast. Joining the Galloway Podcast now is Lauren Sisler, ESPN, SEC Network, and AL.com sports reporter. Lauren, how you doing? Doing good, man. Cruising right through. Hard to believe it's week 11 of the season. Um, it's exciting, and uh, it's, it's hopefully setting up to be the November to remember. Yeah, that uh, I, I saw a article. I think it was from Auburn, and so it came down from the Plains. But it, that phrase, the November to remember, made me laugh thinking of that December to remember, that kind of how the Lexus does that campaign. But, I mean, you're really right that in the fact that this November is huge and arguably bigger than the past five, ten years because you've got a lot of teams in the playoff race, and we'll talk about that. Um, but – it starts off with Alabama LSU this weekend, number two versus number three, and that's going to be a huge game. So let's go ahead and get into it. Lauren, I want to ask your um, your opinion on this upcoming Alabama LSU game. Uh, what's what stands out to you about this matchup, and uh, what what's kind of your prediction in the way things are going to go? Yeah, I mean, it, first of all, it's going to be an exciting matchup. I think everybody knows that. Kind of stating the obvious there. Um, you know, two versus three, obviously, uh, two tremendous football teams have kind of proven themselves. Obviously, LSU, this is a different LSU team that we've, we've, we're accustomed to seeing. I know Alabama, kind of the same thing offensively. You know, we're, we're seeing a little bit of a shift these past couple of years. Obviously, with Tua Tagovailoa under center has changed the dynamic of this, this team quite a bit. Obviously, um, you know, uh, being very effective in, in the passing game. Um, still trying to find their identity offensively in terms of the run game and obviously showing some uh, some some progress there as well. And then defensively, you know, this isn't necessarily the Alabama football team we're, we're accustomed to seeing defensively, but they've also shown some improvement and better communication and some players like Terrell Lewis and other guys really coming on, Anthony Jennings, um, you know, various guys that are really starting to kind of step up and, and sort of fill the void of all the injuries that the Alabama football team was kind of hit with earlier in the season and so I think it's just going to be a a physical physical football game as you would expect against Alabama and LSU I kind of joke about that you know this this these two teams get to come in off bye weeks but you know certainly always a physical matchup and and I think that um one that both teams are confident in they're ready 
Uh, both teams have kind of proven themselves throughout the year. LSU even more so with some of the talent and competition that they've faced against Auburn, obviously um, at home in Baton Rouge uh, prior to the bye week and then, you know, playing against Texas and playing against Florida. And so, you know, I think this is going to be a, a super uh, physical matchup. And really, I think it's going to come down to whichever team can play better defensively, get pressure on the quarterback, and maybe get a takeaway or two to really swing the momentum in their favor. I think that's what it's going to take. I don't think this is going to be a 40- or 50-point scoring game on either side for Alabama or LSU. Um, my guess is, is I'm, you know, I'm kind of predicting it'll be either team will be scoring somewhere in the 30s, and I think it's going to come down to maybe seven points, maybe three points. It's going to be close, but uh, I think it's going to be exciting and certainly one that everybody is going to have their eyes on. And by 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 far the biggest marquee matchup of of the you know course of of the week, but even maybe of the season. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's big, no doubt. There's there's big names coming. Both ESPN College Game Day and SEC Nation will be here. You talked about the physicality of the game, and as teams go throughout the gauntlet of the SEC schedule and other teams as well. I think I'm right in saying that you're going to be at uh, Wyoming and Boise State, and they've dealt with some injuries as well. So, I mean, you'll be you'll be reporting through that game and, and talking um, about the physicality of that as well. But when you look at the physicality of this game, and you talked about um, just how good these two teams are and two of the premier programs um, in college football, what what is it going to take for Alabama, especially with um, if if two is not going to be a hundred percent? You know, it's he's been questionable. He's been you know different people are saying different things. What have you heard about Tua and where he's going to be on Saturday? Yeah, I think you know the big question is in fact how healthy is Tua? What percentage is he at? And Obviously, we know the comparisons are being made to the injury he had last year, same high ankle sprain, other ankle, same uh, surgery, had about a month to heal from that, you know, a week less this time around. But in talking to Matt Venice at AL.com, we had a discussion about it yesterday, and and really from inside sources and people he's talked to, Tua is a lot further along in his recovery process than people uh, anticipated and that people on the outside are necessarily aware of. And so I think that uh, factors into this, certainly. Um, you know, what percentage is he at? And, and, and I, I go back to saying this. I've kind of said it all week, and really since this injury happened, you know, this is a guy that's tough. Tua Tagovailoa is a tough football player. He's going to go out there. He's going to wear the weight of the, sho- you know, the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's going to, um, you know, he, he, he's not going to miss this game. And I I said that from day one. He's not going to miss this game. He's going to do everything he has to to be out there playing for his team. The biggest question is, can he stay healthy? Can they protect their quarterback? Can this Alabama team and this offensive line, can they protect their quarterback? And I think that's going to be the key to this matchup. You're going to have a physical defense coming at you. Um, uh, I think that they're they're going to be out for blood. And I think that that's just the, the nature of this matchup. And so what does that mean in terms of how Tua performs? Is he able to, um, you know, obviously make those big explosive plays, not get rolled up, uh, avoid the sacks, avoid, you know, um, that pressure, and essentially keep himself kind of contained in that bubble, that safety bubble, if you will, to sort of avoid any catastrophic uh, damage to that ankle, um, you know, because, again, not only does he have to get through this game, 
but there is no more downtime. And so Alabama is going to have to be healthy and ready to go, especially down this backstretch. And as they get closer to that, uh, you know, that, that matchup we all know about that's coming in Jordan-Hare Stadium uh, at the end of the month against Auburn. Yes, obviously that's going to be a huge game as well against Auburn. And one thing, Lauren, that, that you talked about Tua and, and you know, is he – is he going to be – yes, he's going to be challenged by that defense, but in what capacity and in terms of it, how healthy is he going to be? You know, will, will he scramble out of the pocket or will he just throw the ball away? Um, how many snaps will he take from the shotgun versus under center and run play action and, and things like that? Obviously, we saw Mac Jones had a great um, – Steve Sarkeesian had a great game plan for Mac Jones, and I'm sure Sark is making a game plan according to Tua's health and where he kind of expects him to be. Uh, but one thing about Tua is that – he doesn't throw many balls away, and 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 a couple of weeks ago, the the interception he had against, I believe it was Tennessee, could have thrown the ball away, but he didn't. He wanted to make a daring throw, um, and so with his injury, with his ankle, really, I want to say ankle, not injury. I'm really interested to see how many times he's going to roll out of the pocket. When he gets in trouble, is he going to throw the ball away? Because that's something he doesn't really do a lot as a quarterback. Um, but we're going to have to see. You know, That's just coming up in just a few days. But you talked about that defense at LSU, and obviously a big name that stands out and has stood out for them for most of their games. Some, some he hasn't stood out, but Michael Divinity, the linebacker, is now out at LSU he's not on the team anymore what do you know about his impact on that program and and um the absence that he's going to leave not playing against Alabama this week yeah I think it's an interesting dynamic I think the biggest thing is you know why did this happen what happened and and really I don't have the answer to that and I think it's kind of been tight-lipped coming into the season he was dealing with some off-the-field issues the coaching staff um I guess had announced that he'd be missing three games he did end up missing three games uh partially due to injury and so you know he's kind of been on and off all season long and I think that that's sort of been a key storyline for them um you know he's 10th on the team in tackles but also that comes with missing three games and so I think that number is kind of skewed in terms of his impact but I think the the it's probably safe to say that this football team has, has kind of gotten used to playing with and without him and game planning with and without him based on on the track record for the season and when he's been available to play and when he hasn't and so you know I think that that bodes well for them in terms of sort of where they are overall mentally and losing him as a player but certainly any help that you can get and and bringing that physicality and obviously um, you know being disruptive on the defensive side of football is going to be huge in this matchup and so I certainly think it does it does factor in it, it would be great to have him in that game for LSU I think that they would certainly you know like to like to to have him in their favor but that's not the case and so they're game planning without him and again I imagine that they've already kind of you know done enough game planning throughout the season without him factoring in that they feel confident and comfortable in in their abilities as a defense to be able to be disruptive and obviously get pressure on the quarterback and make some big plays in the secondary to try to um you know obviously get some takeaways and 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 you know, get on top of Alabama and obviously make this a very competitive matchup. So, Lauren, we know that this Alabama LSU LSU game has huge implications in terms of what could happen in the future. Um, but it's also just a big headline game, number two versus number three. Earlier this year, CBS had its night uh, primetime game with with Georgia and Notre Dame, and there's been other games that have been big this year. But how big do you think this Alabama-LSU game is, and will it be the biggest game by the end of the season? 
Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, and certainly, in my opinion, I think that this is definitely sort of the funnel into the college football playoff, kind of punching that ticket. You win this game and obviously take care of business the rest of the way. It's, you know, it, it's pretty much a shoe-in. I do think that for Alabama, winning this football game will be more important, especially just because I don't think that they've necessarily passed the eye test like LSU or Ohio State have done thus far. I think Ohio State, of all the teams, the college football committee, obviously putting them at the number one spot for a reason. Um, LSU has had three of the probably toughest matchups of the group, um, winning against Texas, at home against Auburn, and then, of course, against Florida. So I think for Alabama, this certainly um, is kind of critical for them just in terms of being able to sort of prove themselves on this big stage, sort of show what they're all about. And, you know, here's another thing, and kind of another thing up for discussion. You know, how – okay, so if Tua comes in and plays and he's 100% and goes out there and obviously competes well and and shows that, you know, Tua's back, he's good to go, what does that look like if – he isn't good to go and doesn't play. How does the committee receive that when the start the star quarterback isn't playing or isn't playing well or obviously dealing with the injury, you know, still? I think that all factors into it as well. But certainly, in my opinion, I think that this game definitely, um, you know, will be important for Alabama to, to, to come out on top. And if, they, if, if not, to keep it a close game, obviously not to be a blowout at home against LSU, will be certainly important, but, um, you know, I think everyone's got this game circled on their calendars, and kind of the expectation, look, it's a 2.30 kickoff, some people kind of complaining about the fact it's not under the lights, talking to former wide receiver Mike McCoy, he sort of he sort of said the same thing, like, it's, it's a very strange feeling, um, as somebody played in this rivalry game before, not to be under the lights, but, hey, I think the fact that uh, we get, a, I guess, a, we, it gets dark a little sooner, I guess the tail end of the game will catch a little bit of the darkness, and I would imagine that they'll have that light show ready to go um, if it gets dark enough, in my opinion. So, you know, I think the atmosphere is going to be a fever pitch. It's going to be fun and exciting. And, of course, um, you know, I think that the the team, again, that competes, obviously gets a couple turnovers and and plays their best bit of football is obviously going to come out on top. And both teams have so much to present, and there's still a lot of question marks around, you know, as we talked about how that LSU defense is going to be and, and how how healthy two is going to be. Um, but you did mention the lights. I don't want to harp on that real fast, you know, with, with this whole daylight savings time versus standard time. We, we will be dark by, by the second half. And so um, we get the best of both worlds by getting um, – relatively early kickoffs are not going to bed at two in the morning and then um also also a little light show um as well in Tuscaloosa Saturday Lauren I want to ask you uh about the college football playoff rankings the inaugural 2019 rankings came out last night um what were your reactions excuse me what were your reactions to Ohio State being one LSU two Alabama three and Penn State four as well as some other reactions to various teams in the top 25 yeah, I mean, I think that, again, we kind of talk about it. I think Ohio State has certainly passed the eye test um, behind Justin Fields. Obviously, what they've been able to do and accomplish throughout the season and, and the way they've been playing, it makes sense. I think that they're at number one. I don't think too many people were shocked by that. I mean, maybe a little bit, but, um, you know, I think for that, for that being said, uh, you know, I definitely think that they have sort of risen to the occasion and, and kind of proven to everyone that they – that belong at the top. And then, of course, um, you know, I think probably the biggest surprise is that Clemson obviously didn't make that top four um, 
based on what the committee presented. And it sounds to me, you know, obviously uh, kind of a, a big question there as to why that's the case. And I think that maybe they were a little bit more concerned about that 21-20 to 20, uh, win against, you know, UNC, uh, you know, a, a game that should have been completely um, – you know, out of reach for UNC and obviously came down to the wire. So I think that that might have played a big factor in it as well. But, you know, I think that the top four, you know, conceivably are, are kind of where we expect to be. I think Penn State, I basically would have had Clemson and Penn State right there at four and five. Um, you know, and so what does that mean for Clemson, I think, is the big question. Uh, you know, going into the back stretch of the season, because they're in the ACC, so they don't really have the – body of work that they can put together like Alabama, um, per se, in, the, in this matchup. So I think that that's going to be another big factor to kind of see how that plays out and, and sort of if they're able to sort of move up in the chain. And, and if you're a Clemson player, and obviously Dabo Sweeney, you're probably looking at the, the committee going like, wow, you guys really did that to us? Um, you know, so it would be interesting to kind of hear the comments and, and be a fly on the wall in that, in that locker room after the, uh, the, the rankings came down. But, you know, certainly I think – you know, for the most part, kind of uh, where we expected to see a lot of the rankings. And, um, you know, it'll kind of be interesting to see how they shake out. Obviously, uh, you know, another team that I, I spent a lot of time covering is Auburn. They stayed steady at number 11. And, you know, really what it comes down to is these teams now kind of figuring out where they factor into, um, you know, one of the, the, the big six, the New Year's six bowl games. And, and that's what they're playing for at this point. And so, you know, are these teams going to put a November to remember together, or are there going to be some other big um, challenges and roadblocks that shake things up? And, you know, I think it's interesting, too, because we continue to go back to this conversation about expanding the playoff. And, you know, I was reading something uh, on ESPN about how there's a, a, a lot of coaches, I think it was 30 Power Five coaches, um, that have basically said yes to expanding the playoff, that they believe that that needs to happen. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, it's obviously always going to be up for discussion because somebody's always going to be on that bubble and on the outside looking in and thinking that they deserve to be in. But, um, you know, I think that's obviously we've been told by Bill Hancock that that's something that's not coming anytime soon. So you might as well drop it. But I don't think anybody's going to drop that argument anytime soon. Truth be told. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's every year there's someone saying, oh, we got left out and we deserved it, this, that, and the other. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it, 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 these polls will matter in a couple weeks in December after conference championships and things like that. But um, one thing that I thought was interesting to kind of keep in perspective is Cecil Hurt tweeted that uh, Nick Saban – uh, commented on the college football rankings and said, I didn't even look at the rankings. They aren't going to matter if we don't win the games we have left to play. And it goes back to your point of, like, there's there's lots of, of games left to play. There's there's things that can happen. Um, and, and my main example that I always go back to is Mississippi State a couple years ago. They were number one in the country. They came into Tuscaloosa, I think it was 2014 or 15, and um, – Alabama took care of business against Mississippi State, and we haven't seen them anywhere close to being in the polls since in that Dak Prescott era. So it's it's in, it's somewhat indicative, but at the end of the day, there's there's football left to be played. Absolutely, and and yeah, you make a good point. I mean, I think that's what it does sound like. Coach speak, you know, coming in and saying, "Look, if we don't take care of business, we might as well forget about it," and that's so true. But for Alabama, especially, I mean. 
truly. I mean, they went out the rest of the season, then things are taken care of, and they don't have to worry about whether they're going to be on the outside looking in. And really the same goes for LSU. If they go in and take care of business the rest of the way, they won't have to worry about it. Um, you know, and I think it'll be interesting to see, too, obviously Georgia back in the driver's seat in the East, and who's going to be the West contender, you know, for the SEC. And so that still has, um, you know, some factors to, to, to play out. And, again, you know, I'm not going to discount this Auburn football team. They've got a tremendous defense. Their offense certainly has to improve and, and show some spark uh, behind a very young quarterback. But um, I wouldn't discount Auburn uh, these next couple of weeks either in terms of getting Georgia and, uh, obviously, Alabama back at home. And, um, you know, it would be just interesting to see. So many things can still happen, and I think that that's where November gets really exciting because we've seen some upsets and some kind of, like jaw-dropping moments of like, wow, wait, did that really just happen? So I definitely think that uh, we're in for some more of that, and I guess that's what's so fun about this time of year, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, you, you could say that it's the most wonderful time of the year in December, and you should you should stretch that to the beginning of November because that's when the college football gauntlet really uh, really gets going. So, Lauren, thank you so much for your time and uh, your insight and your input. I really really appreciate you joining the podcast, and um, best of luck in in Boise this weekend. Really excited for you to get the chance to go and uh, and be there once more. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. I, you know, I, I feel like I've had the luck of the draw of getting all the cold and rainy games. Thankfully, <laughs> it's not going to be raining in Boise this week, but um, definitely going to have to layer up. And it sounds like it's going to be kind of the same in Tuscaloosa. It's not going to be super warm. So it finally feels like fall football weather. I guess you can't complain about that. Can't complain about that. Going to put our jackets on and uh, and hope the rain stays away. So thanks again, That's Lauren. correct, yes. Hey, thank you. Lauren Sisler of ESPN, SEC Network, and AL.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Lauren Sisler. Thank you, Lauren, for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing some inside information on on Alabama football, a little update on Tua's ankle there, but then also a good preview of kind of what to expect because there are so many dynamics of this Alabama-LSU game within the field, like the context of the game itself that make it just extraordinary. There's so many external factors, and that's already giving me a headache, but we're not going to worry about who's coming and what's going on. We'll talk about that later, but just within the context of this game, there is so much to be discussed. And so I want to look briefly at a couple things about uh, a couple notes on this Alabama LSU game. There, there are plenty of, of highlights and, and, and plenty of notes you might not have picked up on. Um, but as as we talked about, Michael Divinity is out. Um, he's, he tweeted and said, quote, I'm taking some time off to focus on a personal matter, end quote. And so, you know, we talked about with Lauren kind of what that defense is going to look like and if there is any change there. That LSU defense has always been stout. It's going to be stout even without him because they've played three games without him, as Lauren mentioned. Looking at the numbers, though, LSU has been shut out two of the last three seasons against the Crimson Tide. Uh, Of course, both those games came in Baton Rouge. And so when you look 
Um, at the game within the confines of Bryant-Denny Stadium, LSU has averaged 18 points in six appearances inside Bryant-Denny Stadium during the Saban era, of course, dating back to 2012. So six appearances in the last 12 seasons. Also, a little interesting note here that uh, Aaron Suttles reported there were more than 600 media credential requests filed to the Athletic Communications Office here at the University of Alabama. Everyone and their mother is coming. I mean, it's going to be crowded. We'll get to those details later and kind of talk about some of the logistics of this weekend that I've heard that are pretty interesting. So we'll talk about those. I uh, went to practice yesterday during the media viewing period, and there uh, there was a little clip of Tua and his ankle and kind of what he was doing. He only took two snaps during the five-minute media viewing period. And so obviously we know the media viewing period is not indicative of what the rest of practice looks like, but Tua spent a lot of time uh, sipping water and not taking snaps. Um, but then again, we are the only access to the outside world on what's going on. And so Coach Saban is very meticulous in what he shows and what is seen during the media viewing period. So only two snaps from Tua yesterday. Obviously, he is still a game-time decision per Coach Saban. Numbers-wise, going back to the numbers, Alabama is plus 13 on turnovers this season. LSU is plus 4, so as Lauren mentioned, that's going to be a big factor within the game. And this is the 84th meeting between the Tide and the Tigers. Alabama is 53-25-5 overall, holding the record um, right there. They've won. Alabama's won the last eight, of course, dating back to that game of the century in 2011. Nick Saban is looking for his 25th career victory versus an AP top 25 team. That's pretty interesting right there. He's sitting on 24, could get the 25th this weekend against LSU. Alabama is 15-4 and against the top 10 since the inception of the college football playoff in 2014. So as we talked with Lauren about the college football playoff and the rankings, Alabama could improve uh, potentially to 16-4 and against the top 10 this weekend. Alabama's 38th appearance on College Game Day will take place this weekend, 38th since 2007, so 38th of the Saban era, 47th uh, appearance on the ESPN program show Saturday morning. Overall, Alabama's 30-16 and 16 in its career. Um, Alabama will be, SEC Nation will be here. It's the 32nd time that SEC Nation um has covered an Alabama football game. Alabama is currently 28 and 3 when SEC Nation is doing a pregame show from one of their games. And looking at Tua's numbers, how good is he? Well, we know he's really, really good. Uh, saw this in the game notes from the Alabama Athletic Communications staff, and really this kind of stood out to me. He's averaging a touchdown pass every 5.4 completions and every 7.2 passing attempts. He's got 27 touchdowns on the season through the year. That's extremely impressive, and of course, he didn't play two weeks ago against that Arkansas team. In four conference games, Tua has thrown for 1,310 yards and 15 touchdowns. That's 327.5 yards per game against some of the best teams in the best conference. Obviously, LSU this weekend is the other best team in the conference, um, but week in, week out, when you're playing against SEC schools and you're putting up good numbers like that. It's very, very solid. 
and uh, I could sit here and read more boring football stats. I'm not going to do that because you can check out the game notes if you want. But those are a couple things that kind of stand out to me and things to be looking for this weekend as Alabama takes on the LSU Tigers inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. Moving on now to the hardwood, the Alabama men's basketball team tipped off their season on Tuesday night against the Penn Quakers. Penn got the best of the Crimson Tide, 81-80, to but did they really get the best of them? There are a lot of factors that really go into that game that kind of made it turn out the way it was. Obviously, Alabama fans wanted to win. The players wanted to win. The coaches wanted to win, and there's lessons to be learned in a loss, right? It's only the first game of the season, um, and there are plenty more to go, but you're not going to use you're not going to throw any excuses out there for that Alabama performance last night. There are a lot of things that happened in that one-point loss. A lot of fans want to point fingers at Kyra Lewis and say, well, he missed two free throws there at the end, and uh, it's his fault. It's not his fault Alabama lost the game. A lot of fans want to point their fingers to the refs and say, well, look, they had the, the goaltending call or miss call or whatever and that's the reason we lost no it's not those aren't the reasons Alabama lost I had a couple thoughts I wanted to share with y'all here on the podcast about kind of what went wrong for Alabama there were some things Alabama could control and some things they couldn't so let's take a look at those um Alabama forwards not healthy. Obviously, Jawan Gary and James Rojas are out for the season, so that's a, we already knew. You know, they weren't going to be available. That's a significant blow at the four position. So, you know, you look to guys like Herbert Jones and Alex Reese to have big games, but Alex Reese hadn't practiced the last four days because of his hip, and so you know he's down for the count. Herb Jones hyperextends his elbow and. You know, in the first half only gets to play nine minutes, and so all of a sudden you're without a single four on your team. Um, and that's obviously we're not making excuses here. We're just looking at what happened and reasons that Alabama was not able to perform as we thought they were able to. Also, when you look at injuries, Beetle Bolden, because of his hand, hadn't practiced in the last four practices as well as Alex Reese. Um, he still played. He had significant minutes. He, was, he had 10 points uh, in 26 minutes, and he was 3 for 10 from the field, 2 for 5 from 3, uh, and grabbed 5 rebounds as well as dishing out 2 assists. So that's not an excuse. That's not saying he played poorly. He played great. Beetle did. Reese played well, but not having Herb Jones on the defensive side of the ball was key for Alabama um, in not being able to do what they know they're able to do. Nate Oates has spoken highly of Herbert Jones, saying he's one of the best defenders in the league, arguably the country, and not having him really hurt. And that's where Alabama really struggled last night was on the defensive side of the ball. Um, The execution was not there. They allowed some easy drives, some easy baskets, and there's those are just things you – that Alabama could have controlled and other guys could have stepped up and played better. But also on the offensive side of the floor, there were too many missed buckets inside the paint near uh, the rim, probably within five to seven feet. And Alabama didn't shoot the ball that great overall. They hit 11 threes. They were 27 for 76 from the field. But all those missed buckets uh, and putbacks and opportunities close to the basket, Alabama had to have those. And so there's no reason to point fingers at Kyra Lewis for the missed free throws at the end or the refs because Alabama put themselves in a circumstance and in a situation throughout the course of the game that prohibited them from winning. If Alabama had shot better, if Alabama had defended better, they would have been a whole lot better off. Now, moving forward from that pin game, 
a game that Alabama should have won, didn't. What's next? Penn, um, Penn moves on. Alabama moves on as well. The Tide don't, does not play until November 11th, next Monday at 7 p.m. They're hosting Florida Atlantic. And this game is huge because Alabama is trying to get its first win under NATO. It's trying to get on the winning side of things to start off the season kind of on the right foot. But even more importantly, Javon Quinterly, transfer from Villanova. Uh, Nate Oates told the press last night that Javon Quinterly will have a conference call regarding his eligibility coming up soon, and they should know by Monday afternoon before Monday night's game against Florida Atlantic if JQ will be eligible to play this season and get his his waiver and and the appeal that they did with his waiver, if they're going to get that approved or not. So they'll have a final knowledge of JQ's eligibility for Monday and that is huge for Alabama basketball really excited to hear the ruling on that and um, in no way am I an expert on NCAA trade rules and things like that but uh, Alabama felt very confident that they would win in the first place didn't from the NCAA didn't win the uh, waiver and now they're appealing so hopefully Alabama will win this appeal and Javon Quinterly will be eligible next Monday now That's a little look at Alabama um, basketball. We've talked about football, but I want to go back to game day logistics. We talked about some of the craziness that's going to happen, and I don't know if you're listening to this podcast, if you're quite aware of the magnitude of the game this weekend outside of the context of the X's and O's and who's who's playing, obviously, the Tide and the Tigers um, in a huge battle there. But there's so much externally. So it's Wednesday night when I'm recording this, folks, and College Game Day is coming to town. SEC Nation's coming to town. Their trucks are already lined up on campus, four or five trucks deep, getting ready to set up tomorrow. So campus is going to be buzzing. It already has been buzzing. Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreet, Lee Corso, the whole gang is coming in. So dealing with having College Game Day on the court. Excuse me, on the quad, having SEC Nation in front of Moore Hall, all that. CBS is broadcasting the game. They're going to bring in their trucks. Traffic's already crazy. It's Tuscaloosa. We know no one can drive in the first place. And then to add on top of all that TV traffic, um, there's good luck finding cell service all weekend. President Trump is coming to the game. Christopher Walsh reported that first on Monday. That's a logistical nightmare. I mean, the Secret Service came in. Once it was announced and started sweeping the stadium, scanning out the area, uh, one thing you'll notice if you're in Tuscaloosa is that all the construction has been set aside near and around the stadium. The construction areas have been pressure washed to look clean. The tools have been put up. The equipment is has traveled down somewhere, and I, they're hiding it somewhere. I don't know, but I was walking back today right by the stadium, and... It's wide open around kind of the west side of Bryant-Denny where there's always been so much traffic and cut off. The CBS trucks are already here. And so for President Trump, everything is being cleared out. Security is going to be super tight. Instead of gates opening two and a half hours early, they're opening three hours early. Students are encouraged to get to their block seating by 1230 just because they expect it to take an hour to get into the game normally if you've never been to a game in Tuscaloosa 
You go through a metal detector, very easy, empty your pockets. You scan your student card, ACT card in. You, you go in and you're fine. I would imagine there'd be the regular metal detectors, and then there'll probably be those X-ray uh secret service machines that check you for everything so if you were planning to bring a pin into the game bring anything metal you're going to be checked and checked and checked again uh it's not going to be easy getting in the game get there early which means you need to get to tuscaloosa early i'm not sure how president trump is getting in here and i'm not sitting here giving game day instructions but Everything that's going on this weekend logistically is just a nightmare. I can't wait to read an article about it that kind of explains what's going on. I hope somebody will write that article. But if you're not in Tuscaloosa now, you need to get here by tomorrow morning because it is going to be a weekend for the ages. Everyone's here. The president's coming. If you can't find the the telecast of the game CBS has coverage, but ESPN will have full coverage, have a full staff here as well. Um, Looking forward to kind of seeing the setup there and seeing ESPN come to town. Reese Davis is speaking to students on Thursday, as well as plenty of media availability um, from the ESPN personalities throughout the week. So really excited about this weekend. Tweet me your thoughts on Alabama LSU and what's going on in your mind on the game and the logistics of this weekend. If you have any pictures of crazy things you see, tag me in tweets, Instagram stories, and I want to be able to check those out. That's Game Day Logistics, and this is the Galloway Podcast. I want to remind everyone, all the listeners, that podcast merchandise is available, podcast koozies. uh, Some clean-looking black koozies with the white Galloway Podcast logo on them are for sale. DM me on Twitter or Instagram, wherever, for information about how to purchase your podcast merchandise. There are hats for sale, white Nike hats with the logo on the front that have a clean look as well. So if you want a hat or a koozie, be sure to contact me. This is the Galloway Podcast, episode 27, where we looked at college football with Lauren Sissler talking Alabama LSU to his ankle. Michael Divinity out at linebacker for LSU. The impact of the first college football playoff rankings and taking a a deep data dive into the Alabama LSU game as well. I talked about Alabama basketball versus Penn and what's next for the Crimson Tide. And then we looked at some game day logistics. Thank you so much for listening to Galloway podcast. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you share it on your social media platforms. Remember, We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Galloway.